Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. So, you may notice we're using some different music than our usual intro, and that's because it's the first single from our next guest, my brother from Texas, Kanal Merchant. Kanal and I go way back to our Texas UT days, and I have seen Kanal spin numerous times at various events and parties throughout the years, but we really got to know each other while working at the same fashion company based in Delhi, India. Kanal is a multi-hyphenate creative marketer with deep experience building and launching products, growing brands, and ensuring that his passion for music never drifts far from his focus. As I mentioned earlier, we played his first single, which is called Anoka from Indo Warehouse, where he is a partner and artist. Indo Warehouse is a multifaceted label and platform that is dedicated to authentically integrating South Asian culture with electronic music. And we talk all about it in the interview. He's also founder of Mix for Change, the first global DJ-driven community working to promote change. And... As I mentioned earlier, Kanal has been DJing and has been a event producer for over 25 years, working with emerging and established brands in both nightlife and experiential capacities. I mean, there is nothing this man can't do. We had such a fun time catching up and learning all about his new projects. I hope you guys enjoy his first single, Anoka. Check it out, please. And my interview with Kanal Merchant. But I remember clearly meeting you in Delhi at a yeah. meeting at EI. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. And I was like, who are you? And then it just became like, why, why, why do we not already know each other? Yeah, I think same circles, like Texas. We yeah. know Texas Indians. Yeah. Like, we all kind of like... But we know when you meet a Texas Indian, it's yeah. like an instant connection, especially when you're not in Texas, right? It's like, oh, right. oh we're... We're cut from the same cloth. We know all these different things. To, like, we've grown up the same way, you know? It's just that this is a comfort, right? And yeah, how many years have you been out now in NYC? It's about 18th year. So it'll officially tie the amount of time I live in Houston. It's an interesting dynamic when you come back here after a while. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Texas. It's always home. You feel a little different coming back, I think, you know? Yeah. And not in a yeah. bad or good way. You just feel different. But the uh, the comfort and the level of support that we all have for each other is kind of awesome. Yeah, absolutely. You know absolutely. what I'm saying? I mean, it's it's like it's like going back to family. You know? Yeah. That's the and, and it's it, I think family is the right way to describe because sometimes you don't always get along with family. Sometimes family is quirky, you know, and and either they're stuck in their own ways, they they have a certain way of doing things that maybe don't align with you, but you just love them, and so yeah. it's like. It's like, you know, like you will always forgive them, you know, and you always have a place in your heart for them, but it might not be exactly what you want to do at the moment. What was your takeaway from inclusively? And like, I I loved it just because I was an expat in Delhi and I got to hang out with like Sanjay and Sunny and Anu and Marty and, uh, but what about for you? Like, I know that was a big part of your career. How was it for you those years? 
It was all the things. Like, I don't think there's an emotion that I did not have during that time. I think it was really the way I categorized it as a very important growing time for me. I loved the work. I love what we were doing. I think it's a through line in my career. But anytime we get to, you know, focus on things that are like our culture and our people and, and then like remix that with like what we personally are interested in, I just find that deeply satisfying. Uh, I think the people that we had an opportunity to work with across the board are, you know, exceptional human beings in their own way. And it was a startup, which I just love, you know, when yeah. you, you think about like, nothing's clear, you're building processes, you're messing up more than you're like doing things right. You're arguing, fighting, but you're doing that for the company, not because if like, you don't like a person. You know, things don't necessarily always go the way you intend or hope or want them to do. But if you look back at that time, I think what we were trying to do never existed and still doesn't, by the way. Like, there's no site I can go at right now and be like, well, what what should I wear that's like dope and emerging and this and that. And uh, from from India and buy clothes and like, no, I'm going to get it in two weeks. Right. You know, that's a challenge, (laughs) which I'm actively seeking (laughs) <laughs> this type of fashion, I just like, man, I wish it, EI was around, oh. you know? I also love the fact that we were getting to work with, like, emerging talent in terms of uh, the different designers. And, you know, some of them are thriving still. And Like, I look back on that time very fondly. I'm very close to several of the people still. And I could, you know, consider them mentors. So just, you know, amazing that we had that time. It was. It was amazing. You are... The second EI I, I got a study on last year, because of course he's doing amazing things as always. All right. So as always, when I do for any of my interviews, I have to research my friends. I was looking at your your history. Oh, no. I was like, holy shit. How is this guy? You have two kids now, right? You have two. Yeah. You've had you've had two kids obviously. How are you functioning? Because okay, you have you have a few roles. Obviously, family man first, but meta. Mix for change into warehouse. Obviously, you've been a DJ for what, yeah. 25, 30 years. And then we'll talk about the, the kind of the fourth category, which is investor and advisor. You want to start out with maybe your nine to five job. I don't know if you want to call it that with Meta. Eight years there. I still mm-hmm. have a hard time calling it Meta. I don't know why. Same. Yeah. Same. Okay. Same. You're the consumer product marketing lead. Tell me a little bit about your role, how it started. And did you think you would end up where you are now at the company? So breaking news, I'm no longer the company full-time. So, in the music next subject. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. okay. I think that's, okay. Uh, there's, there's a lot to talk about there. I'm full-time in the music and we can talk about that, but I'm just going to call it Facebook for the sake of not Thank trying you. to like I'm throw myself off, you know? Okay. Okay. But like, so Facebook for eight years, the reason I went to Facebook was I was at a startup that I had helped create with some with one of my current best friends and um and a bunch of other amazing people too and i was head of marketing for that company and partnerships and so facebook and twitter and all these companies were our partners another best friend was actually at facebook and we'd gone to this um partner conference and i just had my son Jahan and at the startup like no one's saying anything about like paternity leave or Anything like that. And uh, I got to hear Cheryl Sandberg speak. And I'm just like, man, the caliber of leadership 
that this company is exceptional. The people I meet here is exceptional. I've been doing the startup thing my whole career. Like, what would it be like to be at this company? And because I knew that team well, it was, you know, I was fortunate to like, there was a role that opened up and they were like, we want you to be in this role. And I was able to get that. And that started my journey over there in partnerships. So I was like basically working back with like my, my type of company. And to think about Facebook in eight years, I wouldn't say like eight years were awesome, but there were three or four moments during those eight years that I would say that they were, I would classify at the time they're my dream job. Okay. You know, and I got to be as entrepreneurial as I was at a startup, but with the resources at Facebook. And again, working with exceptional people. So it's like this amazing space. Uh, and so every time I saw an opportunity to do something that like I personally was really passionate about, I just like pursued it. And I got these moments where I just loved working on these different projects and working with different people, whether it's internal or partners externally. And I, I really felt like um, when I was inside the company, I was representing these partners on the outside. And I wanted them to understand how to work with Facebook and give you give them the resources that Facebook had. Because I also believe like there's mutual value for both types of companies, for Facebook and these partners. Right. So that was like a through line of my work there. Um, I worked mostly in ads for probably six out of eight years. And then um, in like right during the pandemic, I kind of made a decision. I had purposely never worked in music. I was like, I want to keep my baby to the side. Don't mess with it. You know, right. let it be pure. Right. All this like stuff I like, you know, to make money, whatever. I went through um, this phase, I think during the pandemic, where I was like, I just love this too much. Why am I not going all the way in? Right. And so I was fortunate to get this role for consumer marketing where I worked on music and entertainment. And I got to do something like the coolest stuff I've ever got to. And again, it was like a startup. They said, okay, well, here's your assignment. This actually was a side project, not even my main, my main job. And they're like, you like music and you like DJing. Well, we're trying to do this thing where we pair gamers up with DJs. And I'm like, say what? Are you joking with me? Like, no, no, here's the brief. And I'm like, who do I work with? Well, you're going to work with like a vendor, and you, but you're going to be driving the whole thing. I'm like, awesome. And then I designed this whole program called Play Loud where we paired DJs and, and gamers. And I, I concepted the idea around who we want to bring in, what type of entertainment we're going to create, what activations. And in that time, I you know did like 15 pieces of content ranging from live streams with like people like DJ Khaled and Diplo to um, doing a uh, sponsorship of Electric Daisy Carnival, which is like the largest rave in North America in Las Vegas, to then writing and concepting a short movie about a gamer who flies to Miami. So Timberland and DJ Khaled could give me advice. Somehow this shit like, risk. What? What's I mean, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they just, they just like the stuff performs so well. They just give 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 more money. Like, hey, do more, do more, do more. And um, like it was very hard because I was like pretty much independently working on this internally, but I loved it. It was everything. Yeah. And then in true like fashion, next year reorganization, different things happen. So like that whole thing where I'm like, oh, this is what I want to do. Just like doesn't exist you know and that that kind of kind of got me to the place where um i was like look 
I understand why the company makes changes, but I have to have to like take control and command of my career. Like this is what I really love. And I, I came to the conclusion that I need to actually do the stuff that I love. Of course. I don't need to put it on the side and like treat it as precious. I actually need to go all the way in and accept the good and bad that comes with the stuff that you love and just like nurture it. Right. Because if I had been doing music for, you know, 20 years of my career, I would be in a different place where I'm at. And that's okay. Like I don't have any regrets, but now with what's happening in my career with Indo and other, everything else, like I'm just like, this is it. This is what yeah. we're gonna, this is what I'm going to do. It feels like when you're looking back, you kind of had to go through that, right? Um, yeah, I think, I think so. It, it's, it's, I think it's always healthy to mix it up, whether, whether that means in the industries or being an entrepreneur versus working in a corporate, um, mm-hmm. just to really know what you really want to do. And it also comes with age. In our 20s and 30s, I think we're all trying to figure out what makes sense, what's logical, what's practical. And like you said, your hobby, music, and hobby, your passion, your love is music. Yeah. So you don't want to mix that up yeah. with, you know, financial stuff, right? Like turning that into something you have to monetize. And so it feels like a healthy move that, that Facebook meta was for you because you probably got access to those people because of, of Facebook. Mm-hmm. I appreciate people that kind of like are able to jump around to figure out stuff. It's not easy. It's scary. Yeah. You know, one more question on that. Yeah. Because you were with the company for so long, you've seen more stuff than most of us do. I had to ask, because you have kids, what is your take on social media now? For our kids? Oh, social media is great. It's done so much for the world in a positive way. And I, you know, being inside... Facebook, I, you know, was constantly like one of my jobs during the time was literally to talk to the most influential advertisers and try to defend what's happening in the company. So I, I know what we've done and I know that most people don't know what Facebook has done to like prevent harmful content, et cetera, from the platform. It's an incredibly difficult job because everyone wants access to information and content. So imagine I said, Hey, you only get. 15 minutes a day because that's all we can monitor. You know, right. we can, we can hundred percent guarantee for 15 minutes a day that you will not see anything negative and you'll see high quality content based on what you love, et cetera, et cetera. You would be like, yeah, that's awesome. But I want more than 15 minutes. Right. And so if we're giving people access to everything and helping build these platforms and also like obviously companies have to make money to survive and, and build businesses, then there's trade-offs that come with it. And so the negative part is that we don't fully grasp the value of the trade-off. Right. I mean, I think we know that some of it's bad. We know the harmful content's bad. We don't, we know that people, you know, their privacy should be um, protected, things like that. But I, like, I think there's a lot of um, things that the media will just spin because it makes them money and, and other things like that. So I think, that social media has tons of positive value. The difficult part is is creating balance. Like my kids like right. watch YouTube. I'm not gonna lie. Like you know, I mean they're they're savvy, right? And I watch some of the stuff they watch, and some of it's like this is the most ridiculous. Turn this off. This is just you know their kids like brain, also like brain mush. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. But then like I see some of the stuff they're doing, I'm like, man, this is actually I like it. My son's huge in the Pokemon. So 
he's watching this guy go to this big Pokemon tournament and interview people and stuff. I'm like, it's not bad, you know, because like if I was, um, you know, his agent looking at basketball and, and you had this guy who got access to all these awesome basketball players, I would love that content. It just didn't right. exist. Right. So that's the tricky part. But I think if we can find a way to create balance, it's I think social media is an important tool to connect people. Right. I think balance is key to most things at the end of the day. Right. Wanted to quickly, before we get into Warehouse, sure. uh, ask about Mix for Change. I know it's a DJ-driven community working to promote change. It seems like it was focused uh, or tied into voting, whether that's yeah. local, presidential, whatever it is. Kind of, I, I understand the impetus for starting it. Is it still going on? And is there something, events that we can look at for this year, next year? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up Mix for Change. Um, Mix for Change started um, before the last election, and it was just an idea. Like during the pandemic, a lot of us DJs were just live streaming to like right. connect with people, and 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 so I was doing it every Thursday. And so this friend like started this concept, but basically I I uh, texted him. I was like, "Hey, how can I be part of this?" He was like, "Well, this is what I'm trying to do. It's very simple." So. I did it and I decided to raise money for a charity. And in the first hour, somehow I raised like $7,000. Wow. And, and then like all these other DJs did it and they raised a ton of money. And we're like, wow, this is awesome. This has legs. Like first thing we thought about like the role of the DJ is all about the community and we have influence and people look to us for a lot of things. And if we can give people entertainment, music, et cetera, and in, in exchange, like they get to hear and learn about different things that are happening or give, get direction or guidance, like we can actually be a catalyst for change. And so shortly after that, uh, actually the, the main person, kind of the guy who initially came with the idea just kind of stepped away. But two other friends of his that reached out, like I reached out to him, we who don't know each other basically came together to form Mix for Change. And, um, built out a whole campaign right before the election. And our whole focus was like, let's onboard as many DJs as possible. And it wasn't about raising money. It was just about driving people to register to vote. Right. And then we partnered with Michelle Obama's organization and they support us with content uh, and also guided to different things. And we just blew out this huge program. Right. It was awesome. Like it, it really was a cool moment because you just saw DJs coming out of nowhere just saying i want to be part of this and a lot of these djs like i'd never met before and now we have these great friendships right yeah um it, one of the funny things that ended up happening is that we ended up connecting with one dj who is the dj for the los angeles lakers okay and then we got connected to another dj who was a dj for the milwaukee bucks and then like we just had this whole group of nba djs that's and awesome. we like did this whole thing with them um so the whole thing was really cool. It was very much focused on that. After the election, we did a few other things, but right now it's kind of like in a dormant mode sure. um, as we're trying to figure out how to think about it. Because when we think, when we start thinking about like, well, what's the role for Mix for Change? Is it about supporting DJs? Is it about using DJs as a sort of community? Is there a mutual connection there? So I think we ha we're still kind of figuring out what that is. Um, okay. But uh, it definitely was focused on the last, last election was the, the main impetus. And I feel like, you know, during especially the pandemic, uh, it was such a powerful tool 
because people needed something so badly. So I'm wondering, yeah. in your honest opinion, if it weren't for the pandemic, would do you think this would have been born, not been born? Or no, okay, no. I, I think that streaming for DJs became the norm. Right. I mean, you know what happened with D Nice and all those other people. Like streaming was the norm. You had yeah. to do it. Like. How I found out about D Nice was during yeah, COVID. Caper, yeah, like I was, exactly. I listened to her during COVID. And, like, yeah. and and people still, people still are streaming quite often. It's it's right. you know a thing. So uh, I think that changed the the game for DJs completely. Yeah, and in, in the best way possible. It's, it's awesome. And it's, I think it's I still see it right. So yeah, I, I loved Mix for Change. Honestly, I like. I hope you guys continue doing that. All right, Indo Warehouse. Want to say a few congrats to you? I know UTA signed you guys. Yay. Yeah, that's a big deal. Exciting. Um, yeah. and we'll we'll get back to this, but you were at the Super Bowl recently for a tour. I was there. I wish I had known. I would. You were at the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, I was there. So oh. I wish I had known. I was like, wait, God damn it! Yeah. I don't know where you played, but uh, we were there for husband. He's with Pepsi, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, we go. Um, but I saw your post and I was like, damn it. And then the Forbes article, I know you've had a lot of press. So congrats on all that. So let, let's rewind a little Thank bit. You. So into Warehouse, the third South Asian inspired brand that you've helped build. I didn't know you were with Desi Hits. Yeah, I ran marketing for them. Oh, that God. was my first startup in my career. Okay, so Anjula and, and Ranch, yeah. that was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, inter- I interviewed them for an article when I was in Dubai, actually. So wow. right after yeah. EI. So Desi hits exclusively in and and then into warehouse. It seems that this kind of combines all your passions in one. Building the pa- a platform like this, passion for for being a DJ and and getting people on the dance floor, and then the music. Let's talk music. I know you're a partner and obviously an artist. Are you a founder as well, or is that just uh, is his name Arman Gupta? Arman Gupta. Yeah, Arman. He goes okay. by Kahani. He is artist. I guess tell me the beginnings he, of this. How did this all come yeah. together? It kind of was born from this artist named Kahani. His name is Arman. Um, he created the concept 2021, kind of in his head. And then the first um, Indo warehouse was last February. Right. I met him in 2021, like I think it was November, September. And then we kind of just stayed in touch. And I wanted to know more about his idea and concept. I've done projects that marry, you know, our culture and uh, other types of music. And I've always been passionate about artists like Talvin Singh and um, Karsh and all these guys who, who have done a great job about fusing our music with electronic and other kind of genres. But I wanted to learn more. I was like, what, like, why is he doing this? Is he trying to just throw like a, a cool brown party like what is right. what is his goal and the more and more i spent time with him the more and more i attended his events i was just impressed by a few things one the music i think the music just kept on getting um closer to where like i felt connected to it um uh, i think that the crowds were great and they were just you know i mean it's bizarre but like something like crowds showing up early is a good signal to me, like, oh, people really want to be here, you know? Yeah. And then just seeing the way he operated with his team. The thing that impressed me the most is I went to one of his parties, and this is right before he's about DJ, and he just sits down with me and talks to me for like half an hour. He's not stressing about anything. 
And like people are coming to him and giving him updates. I'm like, wow, this is like, this is impressive. And he's not like drinking, you know, like he's just like very calm, just talking to me. I'm like, you're different. <laughs> My friends cool. are like, let's go to the bar. Let's go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and he's just like, I'm like, man, this is very unique and, and inspiring in a lot of ways. And um, so we've been talking about how I could get involved. And then, um, so we did one party together and um, I have this running joke with him. I'm like, who are these people that are coming to this party? And like, why are they coming? Because I'm going to play the music that I love, which, right. you know, the biggest thing for us, if you love electronic music and you're South Asian, you kind of got to hide that from people or you're a little embarrassed because you're afraid that people are just going to be like, ah, what is this? You know? Yeah, yeah. And so when, when I'm playing my set and like not pulling any punches, just doing me and the people are reacting the way they're reacting. I'm like, man, this is awesome. Like I've never experienced this before. I mean, every party I do with Indo, I just feel it's like the best party I've ever done. Because to me, it's the most beautiful thing in the world to see your people out there dancing and then connecting to music that you love. Like it's just right. an incredible feeling. Right. It's the ultimate. So then yeah. shortly after that, um, we decided to officially become partners and we did a series of events and like every event was just better, better, better. And like more and more people. And was this and all in New York? The New York area? All in New York. Yeah, we haven't done anything outside of New York yet. But I think like our fashion week event we did in September. Right. We sold like 700 tickets and there's like 1,100 people on the wait list. So we're like, it's crazy. Wow. So then we planned this event in December. And we were doing it at um, a different location, Williamsburg Hotel. And it was going to be about 1,000 people. And we decided because the infrastructure of that venue wasn't the best that we needed to move it. Right. And we were fortunate to get into um, Brooklyn Mirage, uh, right. which is like the ultimate New York electronic music venue. Right. And they have three rooms in this space. The Mirage is the outdoor room, but they have this room called King's Hall, yeah. which is about 800 people. And then they have this great hall. And so we got into the King's Hall and they were excited. We were excited. We're like, oh man, this is our dream. We're like already in this, this venue. And we would have sold out that party like 12 days before the party. And so we told, because what we saw in the fashion party, like, there's going to be more demands. So we asked them like, can we move the great hall? We'll like make the room smaller or something. They're like, fine. We moved to the great hall. And in the end, that party ended up being 1900 people. Holy Jesus Jones. <laughs> wow. I mean, it blew our mind. Like in terms of like the turnout, again, the question who are these people? Yeah, like, Why are they coming? Co I mean, Why are they coming? You know? And, and wow, good for you. Like people are just there. Like they're there for the music. They're there. Like this is connecting the to them love. in a way. Right. Yeah. I, we just posted the, my set this week on yeah. Tuesday. And um, you can see it. Like people are just are up for it. And our next one is March 25th. Yep. And we, we've already sold more tickets for that than we did for that last one. And it's still three weeks away. Damn, I wish mean, it could come. Same location? Same same location, but we're like, there's very few venues in New York that you can do that many people, right? So right. Right. with the fact that these guys are literally the best at electronic music, I mean, they're, I think they're ranked number four club in the world. It's really exciting to work with level, like their professional level and being able to like dream and think outside the box. And for us, Every one of our events, we think about production as the focus because we want right. to make sure that people really have an experience that they haven't had before. So now we've like reimagined this room 
Um, this event is called Festival of Love. So we're taking elements from our culture that are often connected to love and like reimagining them for like a rave, basically. Right. Well, I know I've read also like you guys really believe fashion is a big part of yeah. what you do. So you encourage people to dress the way they yeah. feel and express their culture, right? And 100%. fusion it up. And, um, and, and that ties in really well with what you guys believe. You guys also released eight original tracks, right? Sold out six events. So, I mean, was that, is this right that you guys also did events in Ibiza, Tulum, Delhi? Is that not right? No, that's independent. Like, independent. I think like, okay. yeah, all our artists, like, so last year I played in Ibiza. We've okay. done things in Tulum. Like, so that's more about our individual artists that make up the, the label. So, you know, okay. so just to back up, you know, yeah. is a label. Right. Uh, it's an event series and experience. It's a platform for artists. So it's a, it's a multifaceted thing. Right. Um, and this year is the first time we're going to actually go outside of New York. And that's a goal. And so that's why the UTA um, deal is really exciting because obviously they can help us accelerate that and get to the right types of venues. And I think that's really important right. for us, like, like sound, lighting, production. You know, again, we don't want people to just view us and say, oh, that's a really cool brown party. We want to be on the same stage as all the best electronic acts in the world. Right. And so it's really important for us that when we do go to a certain city that we're in the right venue to be able to deliver the experience we want. And so right. we're being very meticulous about like which venue, also which city. We'd love to go everywhere. But I think right now as we're building the brand, we have to go to these markets where we know that people really want this. And we've had a ton of demand. And you know, I think this is the year where you're going to see us um, outside. I think we'll release some information shortly after our next event. But um yeah, it's it's going to be super exciting just to see like the response and how yeah. people outside of New York react because we know New York right now is just like unbelievable. What do you guys look at when you plan partnerships or events? Like, what do you think mm -hmm. are the key factors for that? So you know, the South Asian diaspora is our core, and we're right. We're building this for us, you know, when it comes down to it. But we're inclusive in the fact that we want other cultures to be able to experience this too. It doesn't mean that that's our goal, that we're like, oh, we don't want brown people. No, we want, of course, we're building this for us, really, right. when it comes down to it. So, but just like we're seeing other genres right now, like right now, global music is um, huge. Um, if you think what's happening uh, in the Latin scene, if you think what's happening right. in the Korean scene, if you think what's happening, you know, Afro pop, Afro house, it's, dominating music in such an amazing way. I mean, Burna Boy <laughs> uh, performed at the NBA All-Star Halftime uh, with yep. hymns and like, you just can't beat that. That's, that's, that's all we dreamed of, right? right? So for us, we're not trying to copy anyone, but we're inspired by all these different cultures who, whose artists are really getting the kind of mainstream pop love that you're seeing. You know, our music, currently isn't designed necessarily to be pop, but we do believe that it does have crossover appeal, okay. especially in the dance music world. Right. And the music we're working on right now, I think that you're going to see that our songs and sound are going to be more, I'd say, accessible than just like in the club. But also like right now in dance music, uh, the, the biggest song of the year so far has Punjabi vocals, you know, and it's, 
categorizes Afro House, which we'll work on making sure that's right. categorized the right way. But, but like, it's literally the biggest song in dance music that everyone's playing it, and it's Punjabi vocals on the end. And, and you know, amazing. it's it's amazing. So, in terms of the imprint, um, are you guys releasing more original tracks this upcoming year? Um, if so, when can when can people expect them? And the second part of my question, is there another platform like you guys? Have you guys looked to any other platforms for inspiration or are you guys completely unique? Uh, well, the first question is absolutely there's going to be more music. We've been just like right now tucked away in the lab, just working on all sorts of music. We have really exceptional emerging artists that we're excited to present their music. Um, both uh, Armand Kahani and myself are going to be releasing new music very soon. We also have remixes that we've done um, that are kind of considered like more like bootlegs or like edits that we put on SoundCloud. One of the biggest songs last year is Pasuri. I did a remix of that that I that these are pretty much what we play when we when we're out just to like make sure that people get to experience their favorite songs in a different way. Right. So both both Kahani myself and neither artist Ether. We've put out our like remix packs on SoundCloud. So if people want to check that out, that's there. But for the more official stuff, original music is all on Spotify and all the streaming services. Awesome. In fact, I have a song that just came out today, a remix of a, a friend that that features an amazing Indian artist named Remy. Okay. Um, in terms of uh, other platforms, I, I think there's a lot of exciting things that are happening in the South Asian music scene. But I think what we're doing is unique. I truly believe like we're the only ones in the world presenting music uh, yeah. the way we are, yeah. um, building a label the way we are. But I, I'm very careful about saying that because I don't want anyone to feel slighted. Like I, right. I think I think one of the challenges in our in our community has been this like us versus the next person, things like that. And just about to say that, yeah, that's the opposite way I want to act, and 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 that's the opposite way we feel. I think there's a ton, but really when it comes down to it. Indo warehouse is not going to be the thing that solely raises our culture in the mainstream. It's going to require several different artists, several different collectives, labels, et cetera, that, you know, really present themselves in an authentic way. I think all we're focused on is like, how can we present our sound in an authentic way that, you know, really uh, represents what we think like our music and sound, uh, like in more of a global club situation. Right. And I think others are doing their own thing, which is beautiful. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, meet you guys in Goa when you guys get there. So, uh. Just, I mean, knock on, knock on wood, knock on wood, knock on wood. Well, yeah, of course, I, no, no I, doubt, I, no, no doubt. No, no, I almost said like when I, when I uh, hope that is, but I'm not gonna say anything yet. Um, but yes, that would, be, that, that would be that Universe. would be the dream. I, you know, I, go, I, going I, to I, India, getting its opportunity for us to play in India would be an absolute honor and dream. I think we'll be ready this year, but we'll have yeah. to see how things work out. Keep me posted. Yeah. That would be amazing to head back. It's been 10 years for me, so need, need to go back. I'm, and then finally, how can people support, get involved, the events? Like, obviously going to the website, which I'll have on my notes, anything else? Yeah. Uh, tell people about it. You folks who are listening and watching this, hear our music and it inspires you or connects with you, then please tell other folks about it. That's all we can ask uh, because this is a community-driven movement and platform. Um, one thing I didn't get a chance to mention that I think is important to this note also is, um, and I've come to a, a conclusion around like why 
people are coming to this and it's different for me than other people because like I'm older than probably most people come to our events and growing up in Texas like we did you had to kind of hide your culture you kind of couldn't beat your chest and be proud of your culture we just kind of had to be there and acclimate and do that right and um that didn't mean we weren't proud that just meant we didn't feel the environment allowed us to be proud openly you know and it's oftentimes why why we would get together as a community versus like mix with a bunch of different races right you know and so what i think is happening now with the new generation which i think is amazing is you see a lot more of us on tv right you know you see not as many as i'd like but you definitely hear some of us on the radio in movies and, and doing other creative things right so I think that's one part. Our culture is out there. People know more about our culture, right? So I don't think people are hiding. Also, there's just this acceptance of like, in most places that you should be who you are. And I'm interested in whatnot. Two, I think dance music, similarly, yeah. when we were growing up was like taboo. Like, right. where, where are you going with that? And, yeah. the, and as the younger generation is growing up with dance music being mainstream. Right. David Guetta and T.S. Stone, all these people yeah. like, this stuff is on the radio, like right. mainstream. So I think when you have the combination of those two things happening, and then there's a massive gap. Because if you go to a brown party, you're not listening to underground dance music or even dance music that is of your culture. You know, you're listening to hip hop and mm -hmm. R&B, uh, &B, reggae and right. Afro pop and all this stuff. But like, this is a place where you can hear us as the you know level of excellency here, these other DJs you love, right? And um, we're giving you something that's truly unique. And I think that's the thing is like if you are of uh, South Asian culture or understand or appreciate South Asian culture and you love dance music, I would highly encourage you to check us out whenever we come to your city or at least listen to our music. I love that. I well, this this is actually the perfect segue because. We're going to talk about growing up Kunal a little bit. I always like asking, especially my, my the friends that I've known for a while in Texas, do you have any defining stories, you personally, middle school, high school stories, because those are always the best, that made you proud to be Indian or vice versa, made you kind of like, God, I hate this being brown. I hate being different. Was there any defining stories during that time? There's so many. So like, I'll just give a few examples. Like, well, here, here's a, here's a few, like just honest truths. Like one, I don't speak any Indian language, which is embarrassing. Like I can understand Gujarati, but I, I, I probably can understand a little bit of Hindi, but like, I don't speak any language. In, you know who could teach you, by the way, Arv could teach you Gujarati and Hindi. I'm, 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 I'm sure. <laughs> you no, know, I think a lot of that, I was, I was just like, so resistant to our, culture because i was just trying to like fit in with the cool kids or whatever in elementary school that were like calling me racial slurs by calling me gandhi is like a, a racist term i was like it just it was crazy so right. i think there's so many different stories but like so my my dad's like really into classical indian music and so um he would take us to all these like classical indian concerts and i mean i would fall asleep in all of them you know, except the end when they have this like climatic moment where you're like, what's happening right now? Everything's like going crazy, you know? But 
but it's so crazy how that's played a role in my life. Like, and like, and when I think about any music that matters the most, like I, I'm all about classical music. I'm not really into Bollywood because like they used to listen to Bollywood music every Saturday morning at like 8 a.m. with Mina Dutt. And I, I just like, I, oh, I, I basically Dutt. like, you know, I can't I listen. loved her. To, her <laughs> voice is amazing, man. Like it's just amazing. But, you know, I went to uh, Sunday School Chibon Mission and I, that's where I found my connection with like other brown kids who like again had similar interests. We're yep. coming from different parts of the city, right? And then we do things like plays and things like that. And yeah. but I just remember like sitting in there and like hearing all these religious songs, but just adding a beat to them in my head. Like, yo, how would this sound? You know? And like that's still what's happening. Canal, right if you were doing that, I would swat you. If you were doing that while we we're at yeah. these. Uh, Sunday sessions, we would all have enjoyed it a little bit more. That no, would I mean, been awesome yeah. if you're like DJing in the corner with legends. Yeah, just, 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 <laughs> just, just like I remember the people who were singing. I'm like, man, I I can't wait really till one day I can like work on a track with you. You know, but it's awesome. You should just, totally just do that. You should go back and, and find all those them. uncles and aunties that were yeah. doing the budgeons and do a remix. It'll be it'll be fire. Yeah, I think it's a, a tricky, tricky place to bring religion into music, but you know, yeah. there's got to be the right way to do it. But I would, I think, it could be sick. I think it took a long time for me to um, feel like I could publicly talk about how much I love my culture. Right. You know, it's even like in college, I joined DSI, like the first South Asian frat, because I just like wanted to be around my people, but like didn't want to, have to deal with this like pressure of like I need to convince white people that um cool or whatever right 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 you Sorry. know i remember that jeez it took me ut was the first step for me to embrace it publicly yeah. and then really slowly chipping away over time and and honestly at 40 now this podcast has been like oh wait like I've, I've always embraced it i've always loved it but this is like my letter to my love letter to it, I think. Yeah. You know, 100%. publicly, right? As public as you can get. Um, okay, quick, fast round. So first thing that comes to your mind. And then uh, if you can play a couple of minutes and then I will sure. let, you, let you go for now. Okay. What personality, personality trait are you most proud of? Kindness. What is your biggest pet peeve? Someone with an outsized ego. Yeah. How do you want to be remembered by you know, by your friends, family, colleagues? As someone who gave South Asians in America or that don't live in India a platform where creativity was valued. If I asked your kids, what does daddy do? What would they say? Well, I think they'd say DJ. DJ? Yeah. And then for this year... Your ultimate collab, dream collab, anyone in the world. Oh, wow. Dream collab. Wow. I haven't thought about dream collab. I'll tell you something that I, that I would love to collab, but let's see, dream collab. I love that question. Um, Ali said to me, it's someone I would love to collab with. I've just been like DMing him to Melville. Um, so, you know, uh, Black Coffee. You know, are you familiar with Black Coffee? I have no, I know the name. I'm not oh, familiar. Yeah, yeah, you should like Black Coffee. What he does, with, okay. You know, African music is to me like the North Star. Like he's a he's a, a great example of how you can bring a culture into okay. like this world. So, be amazing 
to collab with him and um and then there's this trio called kind of music um okay. who are just exceptional um i think uh i don't know i like i don't know if it's a collab where they're playing our music you know, but is. i would yeah. take i would take that this year yeah all right so those two and then goa it's gonna happen well let's just say india broadly that is india absolutely broadly. a goal and goa will be part of that but yeah. like India probably. Yeah, taking let's go. Let's go back to Delhi. Delhi. Let's go back. Oh yeah, we got to. We got to go everywhere. Yeah. All right, can I, I'm not going to ask any more questions. If you don't mind so playing something for for like a minute or two for the audience, that'd be fantastic. telling you, I don't think there is anything this guy can't do. And what a just nice person. I'm so proud of him, even though I've had nothing to do with his career. But Kanal, I'm proud of you. I cannot wait to see where your journey takes you. You guys, please check out Indo Warehouse. You can go to IndoWarehouse.co and go to their Festival of Love. It's coming up on the 25th. You can go to their website and get the tickets and find out more. I wish I could join. As always, please follow me at Tuckered Out Podcast, tuckeredoutwithummy.com. Sign up for my newsletters. They're pretty funny. Ummytucker.substack.com. Thank you guys for listening. This is Tuckered Out. <laughs>